2023 has witnessed a number of crises in neighboring countries to Egypt. As the Minister of Social Solidarity in Egypt and Vice President of the Egyptian Red Crescent, how do these crises affect the country? Uh, thank you for the question. It's my honor and pleasure to be with you today in such an important interview with uh, my colleague and partner, uh, the partner, Mrs. Elena Panova. Um, actually, the ministry per se is serving, it has more than one mission. The Minister of Social Solidarity is not only the minister, but they are heading the ERC, uh, the Egyptian Red Crescent Society. And actually, the, the, it's, it goes in accordance because both of the organizations, they serve those who are the victims of, uh, uh, of refugees. They, they serve also uh, the vulnerable groups and the social protection needs, the crisis preparedness and management. And actually, we have more uh, than um, uh, 31 uh, emergency centers at the ministry, added to um, uh, 10 warehouses for Egyptian Red Crescent, 175 rescue teams, 150 uh, um, uh, emergency cars and caravans for supporting. So actually, the Egyptian Red Crescent was on the top of uh, the events from the first day on, while providing lots of volunteers. We have. 30,000 volunteers serving in cases of emergency. We have highly equipped operations room that actually monitors the situation and uh, coordinating with the Palestinian Red Crescent. So we are a real-time uh, provision of data between the two uh, countries. As for the, um, the crisis, we get ourselves ready with all of our warehouses of all our linkage with the High Committee for Emergency in the country. And with the concerned governors, we ensure that uh, we have uh, not only the goods, but the medical kits and medical coordination issues and trauma kits and hygiene kits and provision of food and water facilities, uh, coordinating also with the local NGOs and international NGOs. So I think it's not only coordination, but ensuring that the services, the human resources, the logistics team, the medical team are quite on the board. And we ensure that we have enough cash uh, in order to move forward, to train the volunteers on the severity of this uh, event per se, because it's different than the other uh, coordination issues, and we have them on borders, uh, um, added to uh, some of the uh, challenges that we meet. You might speak about it later, but the main issue is um, uh, also providing uh, uh, psychosocial support and getting ourselves ready in El Arish uh, and the surrounding governorates. Uh, and we're existing also in the hospitals, uh, doing the linkage, um, family linkage together, uh, and uh, providing accommodation and uh, food and, and housing and everything, especially for the Palestinians who are stranded in El Arish, uh, and pro ensuring that everything is channeled uh, through the gates and that we have a comprehensive vision and responding as fast as possible, and also sending a message, fundraising campaigns in order to ensure that we have sufficient resources, not only for Gaza, but for the other uh, refugees like the Sudanese. Uh, so we're on the move, responding fast, and taking care of uh, those who are the midst of the crisis or those who, the, the whom we have in Egypt. Ms. Panova, how have these uh, crises affected the work of the UN in Egypt and how uh, has your cooperation been with the Egyptian government? Thank you very much for this opportunity to shed light 
on the impact uh, and indeed the two crises that erupted on the borders of Egypt, first in Sudan and uh, now in Gaza, have uh, heavily impacted the work of the UN in Egypt. Why? Uh, because the UN team in Egypt, which consists of 27 UN agencies, um, is meant to deliver development um, and support to the government to accelerate the achievement of the sustainable development goals here in Egypt. We are meant to deliver for the people of Egypt. Uh, with the two crises erupting, we had to refocus and scale up uh, our work and also to start delivering on the humanitarian uh, uh, part of the spectrum. Uh, of course, the teams here were, you know, not meant to deliver humanitarian, so we had to leverage expertise and bring expertise from across the UN system so that we have teams equipped, especially the relevant agencies, to deliver on this. And at the same time, continue delivering uh, development uh, to uh, the people in Egypt. Uh, so the conflict, both conflicts, they come on top of two other major crises, COVID and then, of course, the impact of the war uh, between uh, Ukraine and Russia. Uh, and it, it comes as a real cascade of, of crisis. So all this uh, uh, forces us as UN here in Egypt to rethink the way we operate. Uh, because uh, we are in a situation in which uh, we have to deliver development in emergency mode. And also, as I said, you know, seeking to bring uh, the various capacities uh, across uh, the system and work along the development humanitarian nexus. That's this is the reality for us. So um, we were able uh, to scale up our work rapidly, and uh, that was, of course, thanks uh, to the long-standing presence here and very trusted and close partnership with the government of Egypt. Because they are, you know, the ones that lead on the response of both crises, is the government, is the two ministries of Social, social Solidarity, Ministry of Health and the entire government, and, of course, the Egyptian Red Crescent uh, Society. So the bottom line uh, is that as United Nations, we are here to serve the most vulnerable. That's the core of our mandate. Uh, and to deliver, of course, on the promise of leaving no one behind for everybody. So it's for the people in Gaza, and it's also for the vulnerable migrants and refugees from Sudan and elsewhere. And of course, uh, uh, I want to mention here, uh, delivering for the host communities in Egypt who are the ones to receive the migrants and the refugees. Your Excellency Minister Al-Qabaj, uh, tackling uh, the crisis in Gaza for more than two months now. Rafah crossing has been the only lifeline to Gaza, but as we all know, more aid is needed to respond to the unprecedented needs there. Can you clarify for us the process of managing and opening the crossing and restrictions you face? 
Um, actually, the Egyptian authorities has always opened Rafah crossing on our side, um, taking into consideration that uh, this border is was not meant to transport goods, but also only to individuals. But since the, there were no any other uh, channel through which we can pass the, the, the assistance except uh, uh, the Rafah crossing, uh, so there was a flow of humanitarian assistance uh, uh, um, for or uh, going back to Gaza. And there was the coordination meeting met with the UN agencies. Uh, most of the goods and the assistance was passed uh, through uh, humanitarian trucks. Uh, there were no ships and beach transportation at the beginning. Uh, the planes were less than the trucks. Uh, we have problems is that we're uh, stuck with so many demands on the uh, Israeli authorities side. Uh, they put so many criteria that are not expected and are not actually identified a priori. And that's why we have every time to pass through different demands and to get ourselves prepared. Rafah Crossing has been the sole source of passing humanitarian assistance for two months. There were so many um, impediments in terms of transporting certain medications or certain issues. And also there are limitations for the distances that the trucks are permitted to pass by. Uh, but as time passes, we now know the checklist that they need. And we opened uh, big warehouses uh, in, in El Arish and in surrounding governorates, Ismailia, Damietta, Sharkia. Um, so if it's not only for ERC, it's for all of the UN agencies and other agencies. Uh, maybe they were not automated at that time, and that's why we're automating all the information and the data that is provided through rough. Uh, now, luckily, we, we, we promoted and we asked several times to open the uh, other gates like Karma uh, Buselem. And the issue of the checking and passing through the X-ray would actually double the time because it goes 50 kilos to Nitsana and then for the checking issues and then all of them have been uploaded or downloaded and then coming back around another 50 kilos. So now with the, the diplomatic efforts that, take, uh, that have taken place, and the interventions from the Egyptian government and also from the UN authorities, we succeeded to have the, the uh, Karma Buselem open through which UN agencies channel their assistance. But still, it's stuck there. It's not a matter of the logistics issue in Rafah. It's going very well in terms of organization and governance. It's the issue of the sufficiency of the crossings and the need for the Palestinian. And another issue is that when the assistance goes there, there are no trucks from the, from the Israeli authorities or for the Palestinians to transport this assistance. So this actually was really stuck in order the um, um, equitable and transparent distribution of the assistance that they received. And that's why we asked for sort of monitoring of how this assistance is distributed at the Palestinian side. So, uh, Ms. Panova, can you tell us more about the role of the United Nations in Egypt plays in supporting the delivery of aid from uh, this side of the border? Uh, the United Nations in Egypt is working hand in hand with the Egyptian Red Crescent Society to support a very demanding cross-border operation of delivery of aid to Gaza. We have deployed a small a uh, humanitarian technical team to Awarish. Awarish is a city where most of the humanitarian aid arrives, you know, here in Egypt from 
you know, all, you know, partners from all bilaterals, many countries. So everything goes to our ish. And there, we have a small team working with the Egyptian Red Crescent Society, mainly logisticians, also experts in uh, cold uh, management chain. Uh, we have also people supporting with the coordination of the humanitarian uh, aid. And we have people that support information management, because that's very important, automation of managing the information with regard to the humanitarian aid. So this team works with the Red Crescent Society uh, in Alarish and uh, helps there with management of the warehouses. WFP uh, provided extra warehouses, mobile warehouses. Uh, also, we have agencies, UN agencies that donated uh, trucks for transportation, uh, forklifts, uh, generators, pallets, whatever is needed with regard to uh, uh, transporting uh, the aid uh, to uh, Gaza. Uh, out of the more than 4,000 aid trucks that reached Gaza, uh, out of these 4,000, uh, around 35% is aid that has been mobilized by the United Nations tanks uh, to the generosity of the many you know, donors uh, we uh, work with. It is indeed a very complex uh, aid operation and the complexity should absolutely not be underestimated. And the minister talked about you know, this complexity that uh, the trucks from Alarish go through inspection in Netsana, they go back and then they cross uh, through uh, Rafa crossing. And each truck is inspected by the Israeli authority before it crosses uh, Gaza. So from the UN side, we try and focus on enhancing, as I mentioned, the efficiency and also the pre predictability. Uh, we want to make sure, you know, that whatever gets on these tracks is what is needed in Gaza. So prioritization is one of the area uh, where we support the Egyptian Red Crescent Society based on information which we get from our colleagues from the other side of the border, mainly UNRWA and also um, the Palestinian Red Crescent Society. One thing, one example of uh, enhancing the efficiency which I want to you know, bring to your attention is coming up with a QR coding system. That's the information management I was talking about. Each truck has a QR code and everyone who has a mobile can scan the QR code and can see who is you know, donating the aid, who is the recipient, what type of humanitarian aid you have loaded on that track. And that is extremely important you know, for managing the transportation and also the transparency of the aid uh, that is delivered uh, to Gaza. I want to mention here excellent collaboration with the governor of North Sinai. Uh, we work closely with the local authorities, with the governor, and uh, uh, we are very uh, appreciative of uh, the fact that he is allocating extra land in our reach for us to be able to you know, uh, uh, use uh, for managing and storing uh, humanitarian aid. 
Your Excellency Minister Al-Qabaj about the medical evacuations, including uh, several uh, premature babies uh, that happened uh, recently uh, through uh, Rafah crossing. Can you please explain how this process is done and what kind of support the Egyptian authorities uh, provide to the patients and uh, injured on the Egyptian side? Uh, as you know, in, um, um, during the crisis, 90% of the hospitals were uh, in Gaza have gone completely out of order. We have around 250 medical cadres were killed, and also the lack of equipment, lack of anesthesia, vaccinations, children, uh, milk, and many other equipment that went out of order. There was a dire need for medical support, especially the, the kind of weapon that were used yeah. uh, were uh, I, uh, actually we consider it as uh, very much illegal and internationally banned. So we have serious uh, uh, injuries that need to be evacuated very soon. We have problems with the ambulance cars because also parts of the ambulance cars were demolished. Uh, and that's why for the cars that uh, transport the incubators for children or the ambulance cars, we have problem with the fuel in order to uh, have to be to do the evacuation between Gaza and Egypt. The Egyptian authorities, uh, as uh, per the uh, guidance and uh, recommendations of the president, is to accept uh, for in Egypt any kind of uh, medical, uh, medically needed or in a highly injured uh, population in Egypt uh, and that they finish their, their, their recovery and go back. Uh, we have um, around 10,000 injured persons who are seeking medical support. Uh, 4,000 out of them are children. And, uh, and actually the injured persons are taken care of by the Ministry of Health and Population that provided all kinds of support. We have 38 hospitals that were ready in, in Al-Arish and the surrounding areas and also in Cairo. Uh, the transportation facilities was provided uh, through um, the Egyptian authorities as well as with NGOs, especially the incubators, inhalators, uh, anesthesia and, and all of the other stuff. And actually also there are hospitals everywhere. The Egyptian Red Crescent, uh, Crescent also has medical staff for, from the volunteers, uh, uh, pharmacists, nurses. Uh, uh, we have the children, the premature children that were received uh, in El Arish Hospital. They are very uh, premature. They are uh, hardly known as per the origin. They are not yet named uh, even. They don't have names. They don't have birth certificates. Uh, we're, and we're doing the case management per child in order to ensure, because we, we received too many requests for foster care, but the, the, the Palestinians by nature, they don't request uh, uh, foster care. And also that we are uh, extensively coordinating uh, through the Egyptian authorities to extend our, the evacuation issues uh, for uh, uh, those who are injured. We have around in Palestine 52,000 women who are pregnant and uh, who actually 5.3% uh, uh, out of, um, no, actually 10% out of them are expecting. So we have 183 delivery per day, and we were just questioning about the safety for mothers and children, and also for uh, um, uh, people with disabilities. We receive people here who are amputated, and who need, and who, others who had quadriplegia. So they, not, they do not need only the, medical uh, uh, staff, but also they need psychosocial support, rehabilitation support in order to get used to their lives, uh, to their new lives. And we're very keen to provide them with extra care 
and to get them prepared to have prosthetics when they recover to have everything so they can resume their life those who are amputated and the children we are freeing space in the hospitals uh, and that's why we're taking them as Ministry of Social Solidarity in coordination with the Ministry of Health and Population. Ms. Panova, what other support is uh, provided by the United Nations amid the ongoing crisis in Gaza? Um, the UN here in Egypt also has uh, an important role when it comes to rotation of essential humanitarian staff. So we are facilitating uh, people getting into Gaza. These are our UN colleagues, real heroes, and also brave INGO staff that enter into Gaza to support uh, the teams there. And so far, there are more than 100 uh, essential humanitarian staff that have entered into Gaza. And only 30, around 30, that have exited Gaza when it comes to humanitarian staff. Um, we also, uh, and specifically, International Organization for Migration, they have the mandate and they supported hundreds of third country nationalities. So these are the nationalities of you know, um, uh, countries that have small embassies and do not have the capacity. So we help them uh, with the evacuation and follow-up, you know, transportation from the border to Cairo and, uh, and further logistical support. Uh, our teams, uh, specifically WHO, uh, also with our UNICEF, work very closely uh, with the Ministry of Health and Population. They are the ones that lead the medical evacuations, but our teams help uh, to enhance the capacities of the hospitals in Egypt that are uh, receiving uh, the injured uh, people from, uh, from Gaza. Your uh, Excellency, Minister Al-Qabaj, moving to another crisis, the crisis in Sudan. How many Sudanese refugees are in Egypt right now? And what kind of support is the Egyptian government providing for the Sudanese refugees? Uh, in Egypt, uh, in general, we have around 45% of the refugees in Egypt uh, are Sudanese. Um, then if we have a, a total number of 9 million refugees in Egypt, we have around 4.4 4, uh, million uh, Sudanese. But uh, compared to the uh, latest crisis that happened in Sudan, we received above 300,000 families crossing the borders of Arkin and Kostol. Uh, Egyptian Red Crescent was there from the first early moments, um, helping people to cross the borders safely, transporting them to the different locations in Egypt, whether in Aswan, Cairo, or the different governorates. Sudanese in Egypt are not clustered in, in terms of camps or like uh, social agglomerations, but I, they are distributed throughout the country. The Egyptian Red Crescent also helped in terms of family linkage, whether in Egypt or between the, Egypt, the, the Sudanese in Egypt and those who are in Sudan. Uh, we had the telecommunication support. We have 27 tons of medical aid and protective medical uh, equipment to ease the burden on the Sudanese refugees in the crisis through the coordination between the Ministry of Social Solidarity, uh, the European uh, Union, and the Egyptian Red Crescent Society. 
actually the Ministry of Social Solidarity also provided support in terms of foods and uh, uh, dry food, about uh, equipment, uh, everything that is related to social assistance. It was provided through um, funding by the Ministry of Social Solidarity. Civil society in Egypt have big interventions in terms of providing everything, water. Uh, we also have uh, friendly, child-friendly spaces uh, at the borders in Sudan. We establish service centers uh, for the Egyptian Red Crescent at the entry points. Uh, and we provided humanitarian relief services, hygiene kits, uh, also uh, uh, distributing food and supplies and also um, issuing some of the papers that they can pass by because not all of them had their uh, IDs and the papers. We also had some sort of psychosocial support for those children and women coming. We hosted the pregnant women in the hospitals in Aswan and in the surrounding governorates and we paid for their housing at the beginning in the first two months as well as for their health care. And we also provided an international relief team of the Red Crescent. They went to southern Sudan to relief, to be in, in solidarity with the South Sudanese Red Crescent. Uh, so actually they were covered with comprehensive set of services. The main challenge is that post crossing the borders and having themselves staying in Egypt for a long period of time and challenges of including them into the education system especially that they have different curriculum, but in terms also of their livelihood, uh, they are passing through hard conditions. Then we're passing also cash transfer, whether through Egyptian NGOs or Egyptian religious NGO, uh, institutions and other Sudanese uh, in Egypt are supporting them with cash transfer. And we're just drawing our plans together uh, in order to foresee what our plans for the future in order to cover them with social protections and livelihoods. Ms. Panova, uh, how does the UN support those who had to flee Sudan since the beginning of the conflict in April? And what kind of support is the UN providing for them? Uh, thank you very much for this question, uh, because indeed, you know, we need to continue talking about Sudan and about, you know, the vulnerable migrants and refugees that uh, uh, cross the border. And I want to highlight here uh, the role of Egypt in generously hosting, and the minister mentioned, more than 9 million migrants and uh, refugees. And uh, for your audience, I want to make the point that the, the migrants and the refugees, they are not in camps in Egypt. Uh, they are uh, basically received in the host communities. Uh, so as United Nations, we of course put our focus and efforts on the most vulnerable out you know, of this entire group. Talking about Sudan, so soon after the first refugees uh, started arriving here in Egypt, um, the United Nations Emergency Relief Coordinator, Martin Griffiths, allocated special funds to the UN here, to our team here in Egypt, to enable us to scale up the response quickly. Because as I said, uh, here we are set up to deliver development assistance for the people in Egypt. So uh, that was uh, a very much timely and needed support. And it came from the Central Emergency Relief Fund, CERF. 
uh, it was a, a, a dedicated support uh, that helped us uh, to rapidly respond uh, to the immediate needs of the people that were fleeing Sudan. And I have to tell you that the people that were coming, uh, they were exhausted uh, because they've been, you know, walking uh, kilometers and kilometers. Uh, they, you know, many of them were psychologically charged. Um, uh, they had, you know, uh, uh, disabled uh, people with them, children, uh, or, you know, uh, elderly, elderly people. So uh, the new arrivals needed immediate support when it comes to food, housing. The minister talked about housing, medical care. And also going forward, of course, there is a need for protection, for schooling, um, for counseling, for livelihoods. I recently visited the registration center uh, here in Cairo, where UNHCR registers the new arrivals. And uh, you could see, you know, they, they keep coming. There are, you know, around 300 people daily that are reaching Egypt. So you can imagine, you know, the numbers that come to Egypt and the pressure uh, uh, that uh, uh, Egypt needs to, uh, you know, take when it comes to the social system, education system, health system. Uh, so support definitely is needed. Support is needed to the host communities. Uh, but also uh, overall to the government of Egypt to build its, uh, its response uh, to dismounting uh, pressures. Uh, I want to mention, the, because I think you know, that was critical, the initial support which we provided using the SURF uh, uh, funding that was allocated immediately after the conflict. Uh, we installed on the, you know, the route of the, the migrants coming to Egypt wash facilities uh, uh, mainly by UNICEF, simple things like toilets were installed because nobody was prepared for, for this influx. Uh, also, uh, WFP provided food, cash assistance to the new arrivals. More than 270,000 people uh, received cash assistance from the UN and essential medical support when it comes to support to surgeries WHO. Uh, also important to mention here is the establishment of safe spaces for women, because many women, you know, on the way of uh, fleeing from the conflict, they experienced uh, uh, sexual violence, gender-based violence. They needed, you know, a safe space uh, where they could get uh, psychosocial support, medical support. Uh, so with the support of UNFPA, we established, and of course, you know, the Egyptian partners, we established these safe uh, spaces. Very important support because the pressure uh, um, on the registration process was huge. We were very grateful for the, for the support which we got from SURF to UNFPA uh, to scale up the registration capacity uh, also allowing uh, life-saving uh, uh, protection. Uh, so uh, uh, going forward, of course, we have you know, new arrivals that go into this process of uh, uh, the ones that need and want you know, protection assistance registration. Uh, but next to providing this assistance uh, towards meeting these immediate needs of the new arrivals, uh, we also work closely with the government
to understand what are the needs for a more resilient long-term support when it comes to uh, livelihoods uh, uh, and specifically uh, talking about education and also provision of uh, uh, health services. So I have another question for you, Ms. Panova. What would you say to the humanitarian community in Egypt working to provide support for those in need? Uh, thank you, and uh, allow me first uh, uh, to recall with utmost respect the hundred, more than 130 UN staff and also staff, other you know, humanitarian staff, Palestinian, uh, Red Crescent Society, that have been killed in Gaza in the past two months, uh, they have paid the highest price. And we uh, here and everywhere should not forget this. Uh, this is also why I want to thank all the humanitarian workers in Gaza, also in Sudan, uh, and in all other you know, uh, conflict-prone countries because they do life-saving work, often with a high risk of their own lives. And further, I would like to commend all colleagues here in Egypt, in UN in Egypt, uh, but also the NGO community, uh, the Egyptian Red Crescent Society, and of course, uh, first and foremost, the government of Egypt, for their tireless efforts in setting up critical and also life-saving operation. What unites us is our common humanity to serve all the people that are in need. And I always remind myself to be grateful uh, for the fact that we are fortunate to be able to serve. Your Excellency Minister Al-Qabaj, while dealing with the impact of these crises, in addition to other challenges, what is the support you need from the international community? Uh, first, I'd like to extend my thanks and appreciation for the UN agencies and the international organizations, the embassies uh, that were proactive in providing the support and in partnering with the Egyptian government to avail social assistance, medical assistance, and all kinds of diplomatic pressure only on the Israel, also on the Israeli side. I think um, um, the, the crisis has left Egypt with uh, more challenges. You, as you know that Egypt is passing through economic challenges concerning the inflation rates, the currencies in Egypt. Also, tourism was decreasing in the flow to Egypt. Uh, uh, so it has its own repercussions on the Egyptian economy and added also to some of the disturbance in the prices of commodities and prices of the real estate, especially with the flow of other refugees coming to the country. Uh, so um, as Egyptian Crescent, we have to ensure that we have enough uh, uh, storage system, warehouses, uh, in terms of expanding in numbers, in capacity, and also of automating these warehouses uh, to be uh, as efficient as, uh, and transparent as we can, especially that most of the assistance is passed through uh, the Egyptian Red Crescent. So part of the support needed to be in, on the operational side, also with the increasing number of volunteers, we need to have them trained as well and to ensure that we're operationally ready, not only for this crisis, but for any crisis that might pop up. And even for the internal uh, emergency preparedness, especially with the advent of the winter. 
Uh, I think also we need to increase the access points uh, okay. and at the crossing borders to open more than one, like Beit Hanun, because only Karma uh, Salem was opened added to Rafah. So we're promoting the idea of increasing the number of trucks, increasing the efficiency at the borders, and the, the, the checking points to have to ease it more in terms of the criteria and the conditions that are put by the Israeli authorities. Also continue to deliver, um, to increase the trucks in order to be as much as we can sufficient to the needs of the Palestinian authorities. There are sorts of medication, the rotation of medication and humanitarian staff to get safely. And actually we send our condolences, as we mentioned before, to those who are victimized, whether from UN agencies or also from the journalism and media people who were killed there or from the medical staff. I think also we need to have sort of a shelter, new shelter and sanitation and uh, um, mobile toilets to be there. Uh, all of the people are stuck at the, at the south, at the, they move from the north to the south and now they are at the borders very close to Rafah and they need to build camps and to get these camps equipped. I think also we need shelters uh, uh, in terms of um, um, shelters, sanitation facilities that are mobile. Uh, uh, also provide the segregated areas within UNWA shelters for individuals with infectious disease. We need to have some sort of isolated spaces for people, especially that the corpse are not buried on time and with the big numbers of victims. Uh, uh, we're worried about the pandemic issues uh, in, in, in Gaza in the, at the south and also to ensure that, that, that there are compactors for solid waste management. We need to have water wells, uh, water purification chemicals. Uh, we need um, lots of thoughts and lots of ideas on having the field hospitals and uh, mobile clinics in order to suffice for the uh, medical need that is there and to scale up the delivery and the supply of essential medicines. Uh, there are uh, essential medicines that are missing at the Gaza side, uh, and as well to expedite the screening and the evacuation of the critically wounded and critically injured uh, to provide them with safe transportation uh, from uh, Gaza to the Egyptian side. So, I mean, we're ready to address any sort of uh, support from the Egyptian side and at the level of social, medical, psychosocial, and also providing them uh, with uh, facilities. As for the uh, Palestinians who are stranded in El Arish, we're completely taking care of them, whether those who are stranded or the families uh, that come with the injured population, we're providing them with all sorts of accommodation. Uh, so what we need is also to ensure uh, um, that uh, they are provided with health care and this is really happening but also they need some sort of cash in order to survive for the period they are staying in Egypt. Uh, we are providing but I mean uh, um, also cash support is highly appreciated added uh, to the other assistance and also to the diplomatic pressure on the Israeli side is uh, to um, to work on more of um, um, having some sorts of uh, diplomatic efforts to be uh, paid uh, between the Egyptian side and the Israeli side.